Okay, folks, welcome to this week's Wealth Creation Show, episode 40. And we are talking about, is buy to let really worth it anymore? Let's be honest. I mean, Richard, it seems like every other day, the UK and Scottish governments are using private landlords and investors as the sacrificial lambs to gain political points to justify their stance on implementing draconian legislation. Some of which could actually have serious issues towards the tenants. Therefore, the question on everybody's lips right now is, and it probably will be in the next 20 years and 30 years, it'll probably, this question is always asked, welcome to the viewers on TikTok, by the way, um, is, is, is really, is, is buy to let worth it anymore? I mean, property investment is an exciting journey, um, but the pitfalls that are even uh, for the most experienced uh, buyers can fall into um, if they aren't actually careful. Um, for investing, um, yeah. What could I say? What could I say here, Richard? You know what? Well, you I say? think. Well, I mean, there has been a lot of changes, and, and it continually changes. And as the Scottish government implementing these things, I mean, to quote the housing minister on the rent freezes and the uh, moratorium on the evictions last week, he says that the legislation is um, what was it radical and robust and, and necessary for the. Um, to safeguard tenants through winter months and things, but there's no mention of landlords. And landlords, it brings them right back to this question, is buy to let really worth it anymore? It's erratic and it's idiotic. <laughs> That's my word, Patrick Harvey. Erratic, idiotic, not thought, thought through. And the yeah. reason for that is because he doesn't understand the commercial reality of what it is as boots on the ground, and what it means to the tenants. And what it means in terms of putting more legislation in place means we have to put more stringent referencing procedures in place as well and this will not protect the most vulnerable in our society which is yeah. what Bytelet was all about in the first place um it is a, a business at the end of the day and how many businesses do you know out there that you can just walk into a shop or a showroom and say i tell you what i'm going to use your product for the next six months i'm not going to pay for it um and uh, and you'll have to get a court order to get that back from me and i'll still yeah. continue not to pay for it how many businesses How many businesses do you know? None. Absolutely none. Well, that's how buy to let is expected, and that's what the legislation does to it. Yeah. So is it really worth actually investing in buy to let anymore? This is what the this is what today's show is all about. You know, yeah. the justification about it. Buy to let is the most common way, uh, the most common way to get started, but there are other other ways to get involved, even if you don't have the deposit. Um, we're going to talk about this and um, we've kind of put a, a script together about why and we're going to go through the rigmarole about you know why invest in property um how much do you need to invest in property in the uk uh, yep. pros and cons of property investment uh, the difference between buy to let and home uh, and home homeowner, homeowner mortgage um is actually for i'll be honest it's like it's a revelation um in terms of that one um whether you should actually be renting or buying um listen most people in Europe actually rent their properties. They're not, they don't buy, they're not a nation of homeowners like us. So why is, what makes us fundamentally different? Have we been brainwashed into thinking that home ownership is the way forward? Um, uh, buy to let tax, we're going to be talking about that as well. And the key buy to let tips before actually getting started, we're going to give you the insight into that. And then finally, it would, it would deduce, it's maybe not the best thing to do anymore. Um, we're going to be talking about the alternatives to buy to let as well. Um, okay, Richard, do you want to talk about this? You know, do you want to yeah. talk about this a bit more? Yeah, I think, well, obviously, 
the question is it really worth that and, and then why invest in property i think is probably yeah. why what everyone will be asking and i mean first and foremost there is a number of reasons but firstly for me obviously rental income now yeah. it's especially yeah. useful as a steady income um for the self-employed or even if you're retired or looking at retirement it provides that additional cash flow and that's something that we talk about every week jim um, oh it's not just, it's not just for buying ferraris and lamborghinis then <laughs> no it's no it's, it's obviously to provide that extra cash flow it's to set um, some sort of security for your future life if you're thinking about like i say retirement and things as well there's also capital growth in there um property prices often rise yeah. obviously yeah. people will be aware that property prices have risen re recently uh, in the current market uh, meaning returns are almost always likely with a uh, vital investment yeah There's so so let me take you back to this about you said yeah. about um rental income capital growth and that so yeah. you know do you genuinely think it's a real misconception that a lot of people out there think that vital investors and property investors all want Lamborghinis and Ferraris and boats and they want to live million-dollar lifestyles? Um, is, is, that, is that an accurate description of a typical buy-to-let landlord? No, and I, I don't think I've got any landlord that, that I work with or investor that I work with and, and manage yeah. portfolios and things for that run about and live this flash lifestyle that everybody thinks that landlords and investors do. Mm. Um, it's all about, obviously, uh, safeguarding the future, security, generating additional income, and, and obviously thinking about, like you see, Jim, and you, you demonstrate a lot in this show, thinking about the future generations and, and, yeah. what, and leaving a legacy and, and, and financial security. Um, you, well, you, well, I mean, you're a, you're a letting agent director, so you're a director yeah. of a letting agency. Um, uh -huh. So... What is the typical profile of your vital investor? You know, what, what does that person look like if you were to actually say, this is the kind of typical profile and this is what they have and this is why they're doing it? Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a, there is a lot of different um, kinds of people and, and backgrounds and things, but predominantly it's people um, a wee bit maybe later in life. They have a couple of properties or, or look to have a couple of properties to generate that wee bit extra income. They've, they've obviously saved money throughout their life and wondering what to do with it instead of it sitting in the mm. bank because the interest rates and that are just um, practically non-existent at the moment uh, and that's and that's typically the kind of demographic that i work with quite a lot there is a lot of uh, other different people there are a lot of younger people coming into the yeah. the, uh, yeah. the sector just now obviously they're caught on to the, the the benefits of being an investor do you think uh, the younger generation coming into the market right now in terms of property investment are driven on by uh, by these people um, claiming to uh, make millions and have Lamborghinis and Ferraris. Do you think that is? Now, I call them the I call them, gurus. I, I call them the gurus, the fake gurus. They've actually not amounted to anything. And the only reason they've built their buy-to-let portfolio is in the back of training other people for money and then taking that money that they've trained other people into what they've no learned in the first place and then invest in property. Mm -hmm. Other way around, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is that kind of where that market's coming from? And, and do you think these people will last very long? Not unless they do it correctly, and I think listen, there's social media has a big uh, influence. Um, we're all aware of that, hence why we are sitting on social media right now because it has such a big reach. Uh, but I think you need to listen to the right people, and there is a yeah. lot of these people that and TikTok, the TikTokers and things. Jim, we look at a few of them and have a few laughs, um, and a lot of younger people are influenced by them and and what they demonstrate is that oh, I'm making all this money and I'm running about in this flash car, and that's not what it's always like, and you need to kind of uh, bring yourself back to level the ground level with it and think right okay this is really what i need to be doing it's good that they've got the incentive to 
to go down the proper investment route, but yeah. if you don't do it right, you could find yourself in hot water. And do, you you then, do you then think of the typical, is it, you know, are you in agreement that possibly a typical person and profile of a, of a buy-to-let investor and buy-to-let property investor is someone who is typically, yeah, when we're going to agree, probably, and, and they're probably 40 upwards, they realise that they're, 40, they're yeah, probably, 40, 50, yeah. now, dare I say, and, and you might be in agreement with this, it's maybe they've realised they've left their investment strategies or their, their for later on in life, like their pension yeah. and stuff like that, they've left it a wee bit too late, they realise that they've got to do something now, they see buy-to-let as a good return, but they also have a dare I say, a social conscience in the fact that they want to actually provide something for um, um, possibly the most vulnerable people in our society. Yeah, yeah, because you, you provide a service at the end of the day and, and it's quite a rewarding thing if you're providing good housing to people that are obviously in a situation where, I mean, housing is a big problem just now. and We cover that quite, we, we reiterate that often. Um, yeah. And to be able to provide that service to people, uh, sometimes even some people at the lower end of the market who are struggling, uh, if you do that properly and provide a good, a good property uh, for them to live in is quite a rewarding thing as well. So you get that benefit; it's a lot, quite self gratifying, as well as um, rewarding to yourself in terms of a monetary financial aspect as well. But yeah, the 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 late forties, fifties, they've probably got to that point. Obviously, looking at things, they're, they're, they're thinking, "Well, I'm going to retire, and what am I going to have?" Yeah, um, yeah. because of the way things are. Um, and vital investments a good way to kind of safeguard yourself for later in life. Yeah. yeah, and then this comes uh, back to things like uh, the diversification of the portfolio. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one of the key components of a well-structured investment portfolio is diversification. Yeah. And property investment is just one of these, I hate saying the word strategy because it falls into the typical, you know, like Jack the Lard. It's like, yeah, we've got different <laughs> strategies, multiple yeah. income streams and yeah. all the rest of it. It's very difficult to get away from that and call it a different name. But that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about just making sure that you, uh, you know, you know yourself as one, as one, the problem, the thing about diversification is one uh, part of your income that's going up, potentially you'll usually find that one part of your other income is going, is maybe going down or staying stable. So therefore, uh, one offsets the other. If you lose your job or your ability to perform, which is your mainstream income, which is, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of this, actually continuing to work in your existing job or finding the job that you love. Find yeah. a job that you love and you love to do the best. It may not pay the greatest, but if you've got buy-to-let property investment as a side hustle, and I'll call it a side hustle, um, uh, you know, because it's only one or two properties that typically anyone has, then at least it gives you that option to actually be able to find the job of your dreams. But actually, even if it doesn't pay that much, you still have that income on the side in order to sub subsidize that position. I mean, what, would, what wouldn't you give for your dream job? Yeah. Jimmy Carr talks about all the time. How much? How much does it cost you? How much will it cost you to sell out on the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Is it thirty thousand? Is it thirty-five? Is it forty thousand? Is it forty-five thousand for the rest of your life working for someone else, doing the job that you maybe don't want to do because it gives you more money? Yeah. But you're going to do it for the rest of your life, and you're going to sell yourself out. Is that really what you want to do? And for me personally, I think this is what buy to let does. It allows you to diversify that. It allows you bigger choices. And we'll maybe talk about that later on. Um, that's kind of it's a wee bit an extension of what we had done last week, Jim. Different income streams and how, uh, obviously, having your primary income, which is your job, and then additional income. Um, I think, gives, I think one gives of the most important about why investing in property as well is it's easy to understand. Property yes. is tangible; you can actually yeah. touch it and feel it. You mm -hmm. know, look at crypto. It's like it's it's a it's a it's a digital thing. Yeah. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't really exist. It just exists in the ether. 
yeah. and it's like it can it can just disappear like that. Property can't disappear. It's there right in front of you. It's tangible. Yeah. You can see it. And you get paid a return for, for, for actually renting it to someone else, for giving someone else the use of it. Remember, just like anything else, for a car, for a for a you know, for um, a cup of coffee, you will pay someone for that service, you will pay someone for that product. So yeah. why why would it not be possible to then pay someone for possibly having a property and using that property, but but you don't want to afford the exit and entry cost to that property? Um therefore it makes sense for you just to rent that property. Yeah. And um, plus the fact that if you if you can't own your own property, it's nothing to do with the fact that you can't afford it. It's the fact that you maybe you maybe don't because of your historical record of uh, credit um, or or relationships with money in the past. Um, it yeah. might be the case that um, you only need a property for maybe about two years, and the cost of actually having to put a deposit down on a house, which is about nine thousand pounds on a, a you know a ninety percent um, um, mortgage, and yeah. then when you've got the entry costs of buying the house. The legal costs, and then you've got the the stamp duty potential as well, and then you've also got the exit costs of prob probably buying uh, selling that house, the estate agent fees, the legal fees, uh, and and again, um, you're holding all the risk of the property value you might have actually dropped within that two years. So why would it yeah. not make more sense to actually rent it? It makes it makes complete sense in that situation, in that type of situation, obviously to to rent. Well, we talked about it. I talked about it with Ian this morning. I talked about it with Ian this morning. Look at it this way. I had actually thought the other night when I was down in London at the Docklands, it's 350,000 for a studio apartment. I thought, ooh, that's a good one. And then I looked at the small print and I went, wait a minute, it's £5.47 per square foot of factor fees. That's £3,000 a year. And that's not including the utilities, the council tax, the water charges. <laughs> Easily that's see that £6,000 a year. Now, yeah. Ian said, wait a minute. Um, how much did it cost you to go down this weekend? I went, well, £1,000 for a, you know, a long weekend or something like yeah. that. Okay. So you can go down to London six times a year and have no have no financial obligation to hold on to an asset, and you can just switch that off whenever you want. So if the economy took a turn, it's like I could just walk away and say, I'm not going yeah. to London in the morning. It doesn't cost me any more money. But as I've got a property, I'm sunk into that whether I like yeah. it or not, and I have to then try and exit and take all the risk in terms of the value. Um, and then the running costs as well, uh, constantly all the time. Um, so I think it's, I think it's an easy to understand system, but it's also easy to understand why people would want to actually rent. And and I think generally, to be honest, uh, that's why most people on the continent rent um, because yeah. it's easy and and it, it allows day to day living and cash flow to stay and remain constant all the time because it's uh, all your cash is then. If you're renting, I mean, you've got your, your rent and that's it, but you can yeah. choose to rent somewhere else at a less of a cost. But you've also got a lot of variable costs as well. You don't have these repair bills, which owners have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. Isn't it? And I've come across that a lot of times over the years where people choose to rent because yeah. they have less obligation and less financial responsibility. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're in, a, we're in an era where interest rates on bank accounts and other safer investments, such as corporate bonds, are very, very low. Yeah. As a result, we see many property, uh, many see property as an alternative that can give them returns for what they want while being something you can feel and understand. Uh, I think for me, that's that's the that's how I could put it in a nutshell. Yeah. I think a lot how of people much, feel the same with property, yeah. How much do you need to invest in property in the UK then? Well, I mean, investing in property in the UK, when you're planning to purchase for your first buy-to-let investment property, 
there are a, uh, there are a few things to consider. And I think the three yep. main things, well, firstly, you'll need to save a larger deposit. Uh, mm -hmm. Not everybody knows that, people, people that aren't familiar with buy-to-let and things. So you're probably around about 25%, uh, typically it's 75% loan to value, okay, to purchase yep. the property. Um, there are a small lender, number of lenders who will do slightly lower on things, but speak to an advisor and see what your options are with that. Yeah. Uh, but typically I would think it's 25% deposit with your, with your 75 loan to value. Um, always remember your stamp duty, your 4% stamp duty, uh, to pay right. the top of any second home 4% is ADS, which is Additional Dwelling, dwelling Supplement. supplement yeah. And it's 3% in England and Wales and Northern mm -hmm. Ireland, but yeah. it's 4% in Scotland. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is quite a high amount to have, but but when you work out, uh, here, here's a typical example, property investment, properties have actually gone up. Uh, well, in Fife, for example, about 8.8% mm -hmm. in the last year. Yeah. So when you think you've got to pay 4%, um, uh, to buy the property as a tax on the second buying a second home, mm -hmm. uh, that's about a good deal because you're still making four percent in that year. Yeah. So it's kind of offset straight away, and and that I don't think that should be a barrier anymore to anybody who thinks about medium to long term investing. Remember, property investment is always medium to long term. It is not a short term strategy. You are never going to get rich quick in property investment that way. That's not going to happen in short term. Warren Buffett talks about it all the time. You know, the fact that it's all about making sure at the it's longevity and it's and yeah. it's compounding it'll it'll get you that result that you're after. That's the most important thing. Uh, it's the and you're you're literally paid to wait while the property the property goes up in value. That's a huge benefit as well. Um you'll need a a safety net of cash. Yeah. To cover I would definitely, that's a big yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, I would definitely recommend if you're gonna go into buy to let um and, and be a landlord investor. Have a safety net of cash. There's, you never know yeah. what's around the corner. I mean, you could have a, a, a completely new property and you could still come up against maintenance issues um, and things and costs that are unexpected. So be prepared for that. Um, yeah. um, you know, I would probably recommend, I mean, some people say maybe about six months worth of rent. I think that's that's quite a lot. But I mean, what would you what would you say, Jim, as a, as a landlord investor who... Um, has got quite a sizable portfolio. What would you say would be a reasonable amount, do you think, to have as a as a cash pot? As, as, as a safety net for cash. Yeah, pot. as a safety um, net. To be honest, um, I think if your if your buy to let portfolio is structured in the right way, in, mm -hmm. in order for cash to come in constantly, because I always think a buy to let portfolio should always be about cash flow. It should never yes. be about capital appreciation, because capital appreciation always happens in the next ten to twenty years anyway, regardless. Um, so you should always look at the cash flow. The cash flow is the most important thing because the cash flow allows you to then actually reinvest in the asset when things go wrong. Yeah. So yeah, that would do. You, you do recommend like six months worth of rent as recommended to hold, um, but it depends what else you've got in your portfolio and what other income you've got coming in about your degree of risk and tolerance as to when you think you could actually do something. Yeah. For example, if you only had one or two properties, if you have two properties. Um, do you sit on that amount of cash flow? Possibly not. Um, you should you maybe think to yourself, okay, what's the worst that could happen? My heating system could go wrong. Um, okay, is there is there any systems where I can get credit to buy a heating system up front? Um, possibly. So maybe there's an actual avenue for that. So use that cash flow route uh, to buy that heating system on, on you know on on um, on higher purchase or whatever yeah. it's loans. Been a long time since I've done loads. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten what they're called. 
you could, uh, but listen, you could even you could even buy on a credit card. I know a credit yeah. card is not the best thing to do, but you've got to you've got to work out your risk. If you've got two brand new boilers, and um, when you bought properties, or you've probably put them in when you bought the properties, they've probably got ten year guarantees yeah, on them. Yeah, they'll be warranties. So yeah, you have The likelihood of them going wrong is pretty remote. If you're, it's very unlikely that your roof's going to cave in tomorrow. Um, so there's another thing that's mitigated in terms of risk. And it's very unlikely that, uh, you know, anything else that could happen, it'll be a huge, huge disruption. If you're insured properly, if the house goes on fire, then you're covered with that as well. So yeah. you're never going to need to have a huge outlay. There's not going to be anything unless you think you could think anything, that you need to actually repair it. You couldn't find the money somewhere else to do that. Um, so, so yeah, you can carry six months worth of rent if you want. Um, but but you've got to then weigh about about your your degree. If you if you've got a really good a, a good earning job, you know, let's be honest. If you've got a good earning job and you're, you're able to put money away and reinvest like you should be doing, now this is how you should be thinking. You should be thinking like this. You should be thinking to yourself, when you get your money every month in, in your bank account, is what can I invest in, okay? And then what have I got left to spend? Yes. Because you know how everybody else thinks, 95% in the, the, the world. They always think about, what do I need to spend? What have I got left to invest? Yeah. It's, it's the other way around. And that's the difference between the millionaire mentality. Ultimately, it, it's so simple. But that's that, that's that system to adopt. And you mm. will be compounded. It's like it's like uh, Tamir actually said to me the other day. He said, Look, you know, if you put £6 away every single day, uh, and it grew at 10%, £6 for 40 years, just £6 a day for 40 yeah. years, and it grew at 10%. He said, but you'll be a millionaire in 40 years' time, just at £6 a day. That's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So does that mean if you put £12 away a day, you'll be a millionaire in 20 years? Yep, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think so, actually. I think it's a compound in effect. No, I don't know, Joe. I, think it's, I don't I think, think, think it's, like it's the time. Remember what yeah. I talked about, wealth the, creation. It's the effort multiplied by the time divided by the return that you that want will equal yeah. your wealth that you're after. Um, that's, that's probably key here. So, yeah. Um, yeah, put money aside if you need to, but you've got to assess it for yourself. You need to speak to someone like ourselves. By all means, give, you know, shout on us or, or come to our private investment uh, workshop at the end of each month on the last, last Thursday, Thursday of the month. The month. Yep. The, the links, the details are in these posts on TikTok. If you want to message us direct, more than happy. I'll put in the comments if you're wanting an invite to that private session as well. It is literally um, asking all these questions that you'd want to ask personally, but you wouldn't want to do it in a public forum. That's all. Uh, and getting the answers that you want. There is no upsell, by the way. No. I'm not selling you anything. This is just timeless content I'm putting down for my children, grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren to come so they will yes. know what to do when they want to build wealth. That's yeah. it. The pros and cons of property investment. Do you want to take us through this? Yeah. Um, well, there are many plus points to property investment, obviously, as as we cover quite a lot. But there are there are a few downsides that obviously there's I mean you need to take them into consideration and like you say be really um, thorough with your risk analysis and things. But yeah. uh, property can be quite illiquid, uh, yeah. which means it can be hard to get your money back out in a hurry. Uh, mm -hmm. So property therefore needs to be a long term investment rather than just a short term project. And we reiterate that week on week and day by day to people. It's yeah. for the long term to see mm -hmm. the, the 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 right benefits from buy to let investment. And I think and if, you, if you're looking for a, a quick short-term project, then probably buy to let's maybe not the way forward. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure you'll agree with that, Jim. So, Absolutely. Um, tax changes, and there has been a lot of tax changes recently. Um, they have made it a wee bit less attractive to 
investment investors and things and i've seen a lot of investors decide to like oh i'm done now there's too much changes and things that I, it's not always the answer as long as you you are speaking to the right people and getting the right advice can i just say at that point do you know what that is that's based on an emotional feeling and that's the yeah. worst way to take a decision to get out the yeah. vital market based mm -hmm. on emotions because yeah. you'll and in years to come you'll realize it's like oh my god i made a mistake now i was about to do this wasn't i remember i was selling off and selling off and thinking that's i'm ready and it's like then then a, an epiphany hit me and it was like a suck in the chops and it was like my god what are you doing you did you sold, you, a, was it, was, you sold a few good ones as well jim yeah. i mean Wait, granted, you... I, I reinvested it i never spent it on any yeah. i just put it back in or or i helped my children with their with their pensions i helped yeah. my children with their um their deposit for their house you know for tony and that and mm -hmm. so that's all i did with it i, I reinvested yeah. it in something um and i never ever spent it i reinvested it all the time so when i when i sell off a reinvest or i sell to my limited company which takes account of the capital gains um uh, uh, liability um property prices don't always rise as well did you know uh, you have to bear that in mind and the fact that political uncertainty in the years have depressed the property market in certain areas including london as well yeah, london, uh, london's for that, yeah. that's why that's why you have to think about long term you have to think about long term every single time now there might be a prospect like i think it's like I, they'll never, I don't think I'll ever sell in my lifetime. Um, they'll be very, you know, and, and I'll pass on to my children, and, mm -hmm. and I'm not bothered. Um, folk are thinking, but you've built all that wealth. Why would you not want it? It's like, I don't, I'm not bothered. Um, it doesn't bother me. I want my I want my children not to start where I started because they'll just get to where I am. I want them to stand on my shoulders and actually yeah. st and start where I left off. Yeah. And I think That's you, where you, I want you, them to start because they'll get further forward than me then. Yeah, and I think your buy-to-let portfolio and the way you've designed it, Jim, it's like a machine that will keep running when you're not here. So what I mean? That'll, that'll mm. keep, yeah. Property investment can be hard work as well. Let's be no doubt about that. Being a landlord is not for the faint-hearted. There's a difference between a landlord and an investor. An investor, yeah. So an investor, let's let me take care of it, and all they do is make the, the macro decisions. In other words, the bigger picture. That, oh, I'll buy this, I'll buy that, and that makes sense, and that makes sense. They don't get down in the nitty gritty like a landlord does and actually go, I'm going to come round to sort your your uh, your tap. I'm yeah. going to come round to, you know, decorate the house. I'm going to come round to put the carpet down. That's what a landlord does. That's, you know, being a landlord is not for the faint-hearted. Genuinely, that's when it starts to put you off. There's a lot of people in service accommodation one year in, I make loads of money. And the next minute it's like, I'm selling. It is too much hassle. <laughs> I can't be because I, I I'm restricted to the times that I can go on holiday. I have to be there to change, do the changeovers. I can't. My life's no my own anymore. Guess what? I've done that for thirty years, <laughs> and I've done both. Yeah, I did I'm the beginning. That. I did the landlord, and I'm an investor now. Yeah, I'm hearing that quite a lot recently, especially for people in the, the holiday let sector and short term lets. So if you don't want to take on renovations or repairs yourself get someone else to do it but it can be costly it has to be factored into the numbers and yeah. i always say your repairs and improvements should be rounded in your factor uh, your your agent should be around about 30 percent of your top line yeah, rent yeah. Not, if not 35 percent of your top line rent uh, you've got to factor that in to make sure um yeah, your management fees your insurances and things like that yeah what type of things do you have to think about before you buy then well there's a few things obviously i am um, firstly like your type of property that you're uh, going to be looking for um and the the type of property that's suitable for the area you're considering so if there's students for example you're going to be looking for houses with many rooms 
or if it's areas with maybe young professionals, you're going to be looking for one bed flats or apartments. Do you know what I mean? So think of, your, think of the demographic you're aiming for, think of the area and what kind of property. Um, yep. Definitely take that into consideration. Yeah. Um, understand that there are different expenses that you're going to need. Um, stamp duty or ADS, like we were talking about, is something that so many people are unaware of. Um, so, which is payable at a um, higher rate when you're buying homes um, that you're not going to live in and it's your second home purchase. So and ADS and stamp duty is, is not deductible. ADS and stamp duty isn't no. deductible. It has to be capitalised at the beginning. So, in other words, you can't offset it against your profits. Yeah. Um, your basic property development costs, obviously, when you're fitting out a buy-to-let, obviously, whether you're doing it furnished or whether you're doing a renovation, do you know what you're going to need to do? Is it just paint and flooring or you're going to put a kitchen and a bathroom in? Think yeah. about all these costs as well. Yeah. Also, you need to make sure the property is compliant and safety certificates. You need to have gas checks. You've got to have your electrical, uh, electrical, electrical, electrical safety certificate. Smoke alarms and things. Yeah. Yes. Electrical tests are costing uh, so us. The, the new regulations have brought it up to a totally different mindset, and and you're, you're yeah. we're almost under renewals. They're spending about two thousand pounds per property now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just been a lot of outlay. We've done a lot of renewals lately, and the cost of electrics and and just with the, the, they've made slight changes since the last time uh, that was since it was all brought into uh, force, um, and it's, it's costing a wee bit. So. Uh, take that into consideration as well, as long as as well as your landlord's insurance and things as well. Have the proper insurance in place. Mm. Um, yeah, landlord's insurance. And your available time. So buy to let can be quite time consuming. Uh, and so many people choose to pay an agent and things to do that, um, such as obviously the market and then the ongoing management and things as well, collecting the rent and carrying out and, and kind of orchestrating the maintenance side of things. Um, this does cost the extra, although these costs are tax deductible. Uh, so, like right. management fees and things for your management. That's literally so two pounds forty. Yeah. Two pound forty a day. Yeah, it's not. It's not a lot. Of manager of time that it's so two pound forty a day to manage your property is absolutely unbelievable, considering the amount of time yeah. that you could spend doing something else, which is far more, far more cost effective and beneficial. Why do you want to get into the mm -hmm. nitty-gritty of managing a property if you can go out and buy other properties, make a bigger return, and increase your returns over time? This is the difference between the macro and the micro. The difference between a landlord and an investor. I was just going to say that. So, yeah, investors predominantly, I mean, if you're a landlord with one or two and you want to make it your second job, people do choose to do that. An investor who's building a portfolio, you need a good agent in place who knows yeah. the market, knows knows what's changing in the, the legislation and things, and, and they take care of everything. Um, Can I ask about the difference between buy to let and homeowner mortgages? Yeah, of course, on you go. Um, so, buy to let lenders uh, use what is called an, an interest coverage um, mm -hmm. ratio to check they can afford you can afford the loan. Yeah. Your monthly yeah. rent must be between 125% to 145% of the mortgage to be accepted. Now, that's going to be a bit more difficult when markets, when mortgage rates are increasing. So your existing portfolio in order to remortgage it might not be in that bracket. That's why you have to make sure your that mortgage cover is quite is, is very, very high in the beginning because of that reason. Buy to let loans are usually interest only. I always say that because it's great for your cash flow. If you want it, then pay a chunk off at the end of the year. Take out your cash flow, pay the chunk off, and that's you doing capital repayment. But you're not then encumbered or tied into that with the bank. Yeah. So it will mean you'll have cheaper mortgage costs, but the mortgage balance will not come down 
but you have the option to bring that down. In times where, the, for example, I was all interest only, when the credit crunch came along, uh, and other people were actually capital repayment, the credit crunch came along in the 2008, and, and immediately everybody went, oh my God, I need more money to survive. Can I get money out of my, my portfolio again? And the banks went, no. <laughs> and it's like, but I've paid all that money in on the capital repayment. Why can I not get that back out? Well, the pro the value of your property has actually gone down significantly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. so we're no longer able to give you that back out. And I'm like, well, I've got the cash sitting in my bank account, so I'm able to survive. Yeah. And that's what interest only does for me. And then I can choose to pay that off or I can choose to invest it again, the money I've generated on a, on, on another property or another project, which will... Yeah. So, so you're effectively making money on the money, money on the money, 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 and it goes on forever. That's compounded wealth. Imagine yeah. making fifty times the money on the original money you had. That's a huge, but boom, blow your mind completely. I tell you what, once you understand that, you'll never look back. Uh, your the world will be your oyster, and you could your wealth can go to any level you choose to. I tell you what, though, it's about effort multiplied by time over the desired return, divided by the desired return, equals your wealth, remember. You've got to yeah. put the effort in. We know what the time is because it's constant, and we know what your return is depending on what you what you really want out of life. Uh, that will equal what you get at the end. So the only difference, the only thing, the factor in there that you can determine is the effort you put in to get that, and that's yeah. down to you completely. The effort is obviously the variable factor, and, and you need to put it in. Uh, Generally, it yeah. said uh, you must earn... Uh, a minimum income of twenty five thousand. However, that's actually been done away with recently. Um, so, so it might actually be you might actually the, the income criteria is no longer there. They took that away recently, and you need to want to check if you're watching this again later on. Uh, maybe if you're watching this in twenty years' time, Tony, <laughs> <laughs> remember and check if the income criteria is still there. Um, <laughs> you have to make sure uh, just to make it timeless content. By the way. Um, You'll be charged a higher rate of interest if you're an inexperienced landlord. That's sometimes the case um, because they, they do do first-time landlord mortgages, but they also do seasoned remortgage investors. If you're with your current lender as well, your current lender sometimes gives you a remortgage onto a better product than they would actually give anybody else because you're still with them and they know yeah. your track record. That's a really good thing. If you're an inexperienced landlord, a broker who specializes in buy to let can give you the both the property investment and the mortgage advice, such uh, such as the kinds of buy to let uh, that can the kind of returns. Oh, of course, better return and, yeah. and, you know, some of the, we know some of these brokers that can do that. So yeah. get, getting started with buy to let. Um, buy to let is one way to invest in property, but there are some important considerations that you'll need to take into account when doing this. Um, getting a like buy, getting a buy to let mortgage. Yeah. Most people borrow to finance their buy-to-let investments. There's no doubt about that. But it can also be tough to get a buy-to-let mortgage. Now, you're usually required to get a substantial deposit. At this point in time, it's 25% typically yeah. at, the very, at the very most. So if you're getting a £100,000 property, you've got to come up with £25,000. Now, I know different strategies to do that. Um, and one of them is easy, friends and family. Uh, to yeah. get you to come up with the deposit and maybe come in with you as a joint venture partner or maybe just come in as a they're giving you a, a secured loan um, mm -hmm. and therefore that, that works perfectly as well. Um, your credit record and your credit score will be scrutinised. Um, that will be that will be definitely the case. So you need to make sure you've got an A1 credit report. Um, if you don't, go on, go on something like Equifax or or I'm not really sure who else does it. Equifax at the time did it with us. Uh, Experian. That's Experian, another yeah, I was just going to say Experian. Get your credit report. Make sure you've got A1 credit rating 
if you're not, look at the things that you need to sort out in order to get the A1 credit rating. If you don't have credit cards and stuff like that, probably just get a credit card just to actually get a credit report. Spend yeah. spend a couple of quid on the credit card, clear it yeah. off. Yeah. You're at least establishing a, a, a credit history that the banks can actually see. And if you've got a credit card and you're paying it off all the time, you're a dead set for them. That's, yeah. that's That pushes your credit score up. Um, so it's maybe one to do. I know I never had a credit card for years, and the only reason I got a credit card was it was difficult to get tickets for anything. Yeah, um, yeah, without... And plus the like fact it protects you with a guarantee of anything over £100 if you purchase on your personal credit card. So that's the reason I got one, because it was to be able to protect me. I even bought my, you know, I even got my holiday uh, recently they now to Jamaica, and I put it on my credit card, because I thought if anything happens... I'm not caring about Abta or Abtail or whatever it's called. Um, at least I've got some some comeback through my personal credit card to yeah. make sure it's covered. Uh, whereas most people just go, I can't be bored. I'll just pay it through my debit card. It's gone. If anything yeah. happens to that business, your money's away. You've got I it. do a lot of things, MasterCard, and then just clear it. And then just clear it. Uh, always make sure you've got the money to clear it if you're going to do it that way. Because um, credit cards are the, one of the worst ways to borrow money because they've got really high interest rates and pennies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> The lender will look to look at the amount of rent you're likely to uh, you're likely to get compared with the price you're paying for it. In other words, what is the yield? Mm -hmm. The yield is the return you make on the investment. It's calculated by dividing the annual rent minus expenses uh, by the property price and then multiplying it by a hundred to give you that percentage. Um, now you can have two different yields. You can have a gross yield, which is the total rent divided by the price of the property. Doesn't really tell you much, to be honest. A lot of people use that one all the time, but it's really quite that's the most common one. Yeah, the, the most important one is what is the net bottom line you've got against the net amount of money you've got in it. That mm -hmm. to me, that's the yield, the true yield. Yeah. That's the true measure because it's how much money you've invested to the bottom line of what you're getting out, and that then is comparable against a bank and interest rates. Yeah. So. Rental yields differ across the UK depending on what type of property, the strength of the rental market, the house prices. Um, um, so, what are the pros of, you know, what are the pros of investing of buy to let investing, Richard? Yeah, there's. I mean, there is a lot of pros for buy to let investing, uh, and money paid through rent can give you a monthly income, as we say, cash flow. I don't like to say mm -hmm. that. You've put me off this as well, and as passive income, it's, it's not a good term. Cash flow is what to think of. Cash mm -hmm. flow is king, is, uh, not cash, cash flow. Um, it offers the potential when you come to sell further down the line yeah. uh, to benefit from an increase in the property's value, obviously, over the long term. Um, and that's known, obviously, as, as capital uh, growth. Um, Rental demand is currently high. Um, soaring house prices are making it difficult for people to afford to purchase, purchase property. Um, so you can uh, also insure against loss of rental income through legal costs and damages and things with the right insurance as well. So there are some pros to obviously investing in. in For me, in it, it gives peace of mind in the fact yeah. that when you do buy to investment, right? Mm -hmm. To be honest, for me, I don't rely on the income. Uh, the income sits there for when I absolutely need it. Uh, that's yeah. it. It sits there and it gets reinvested all the time in some yeah. shape yeah. or form. Uh, and then, but I know there's enough income coming in that a couple of months passes if I, if I wanted to, and then I'll be able to take something out for what I need it for. Um, but most of the time it actually sits where it is, and I don't really focus on it at all. It's not part of my mainstream income um, for that reason. 
So I don't actually rely on it for anything other than a safety net for me in a, in a worst-case scenario position. And my worst-case scenario position is my ability to perform is impaired. This could be like onset dementia, your mind. You have an accident on your bike or a mountain and you hit your head. Mm-hmm. You're screwed if, if, yeah. you're, if your mind's on anything. A surgeon, if you damage your hands, you're screwed. Yeah. It's like that's why you would insure your hands if you're a surgeon. But some people, they don't have that. Um, a pilot, a fireman, they're all done on uh, physical tests. If you're yeah. not physically fit, you might not be able to fly. You might not be able to work in the fire brigade anymore. Therefore, that's you instantly have a job. If you've yeah. got a mainstream income coming in from buy to let or even a side hustle coming in with a few pounds every now and again that you've saved up over a period of time, you've got a safety net there for you. That's a big, big, Safeguard. A big, big driver for me. Uh, yeah. Buy to let investment downsides. Okay. Um, now, before I go through the, the cons of obviously buy to let, I think a lot of these, if you've got a good agent or in place who's obviously monitoring these things, then you're not going to, you're not, there's less risk of encountering these. But I mean, yeah. you, you may encounter rental voids. Uh, a void uh, is when a property is empty, costing you money rather than generating it for you. Um, if you have to take out a mortgage and there is no rental income, to cover your payments, yeah. then obviously you're left to pay them. So void periods, but if if you've got a good tenant and and they are there for the long term and they've been referenced and, and, and vetted properly, you've got less chance of that happening. Um, yeah. You can have problem tenants that can cause emotional and financial strains. Again, it's all to do with finding the right tenant in the first place. And I think mm-hmm. that that's such a big part of the whole letting process. It's such a very, if not the most important part um, yeah. at the yeah. beginning. Um, Increased laws and regulations um, are, are, I would, well, I would say they're a con because they're, 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 they're putting people off letting at the moment because there is so many changes. There's now 168 pieces of legislation uh, governing buy to let, which seems a lot to keep up with. So have somebody who's on the ball and keeping up with that, looking it's after it. Uh, in the last 10 years. Yeah, there's been a lot. I mean, Shoot. well, if you look at it, Jim, um, I've just over 10 years I've been doing this and the changes that have that I've experienced from when I first started letting to now, um, that's been a lot, Roy, say 40% in the last 10 years. Um, I think that's according to the the NRLA, which is the National Residential Landlords Association. They've said it's about a 40% increase, which I would agree with. Um, there's also the additional 4% ADS stamp duty, things that, that charge when you acquire a buy-to-let as a second home purchase. Um, we've covered that a couple of times today, so that's something that always remember um as you say that's in that's in our cons section jim but as you said really it's not uh, uh, if, if it's all done properly then you you, you could offset that yeah i mean um, dwindling tax perks landlords are no able to deduct um, their mortgage interest payments in their own name for the properties yes. in their own name they can only get 20 tax credit leaving 40 percent payers if you're a 40 percent payer and you've got the in your own name you're potentially not able to do it. Now, 40% payers sometimes don't have any. Somebody doesn't have a mortgage, you're okay. But if you have a mortgage on it and it's in your own name, then you're only able to get a tax credit at 20% against the mortgage interest now. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you'll be paying a lot more tax for having it in your own name. Vitaly mortgages are more expensive and deposits require a larger than homeowner's mortgages. And the the other one as well is property prices can fall. But to me personally, what does it matter if property prices fall? As long as you're getting the same rent, it doesn't make any difference. It's, it's, that's what I mean. That's a bit of long term. Yeah. How, right. How easy is it to get a buy to let mortgage as a first time buyer? 
Um, it's possible in theory, but in reality, it's extremely difficult as lender lenders offer often see this as very, very risky. You can yeah, get it, though. There's some lenders that will just want you to own a property, even if you actually live in it and rent and, and, and rental, even if you actually live in rental accommodation. Yeah. However, a large number require that you have owned your own home at some point in time, possibly for a minimum of six months before you're offered a buy-to-let mortgage. That is a key here. As a yeah. first-time buyer, your options are even more limited, so it's best to speak to a mortgage broker. We can put you in touch with all these people, Freedom Financial, Kessa Salimi, um, uh, buy to let tax and recent changes, buy to let investment comes out various expenses. Until recently, it was possible to offset many of them against the tax you pay on the monthly rental income. However, since April 2020, the tax rules around buy to let have become less generous. Mortgage interest relief has changed. Uh, also, capital gains has changed a wee bit from 18 and 28%. Um, um, they have to pay now at higher and lower rate uh, in terms of that as well. Um, there's also huge um, stuff that have been taken away. Um, Class it is, you, you'll probably know the wear and tear allowance was taken away. Indexation on buy to let um, properties were actually taken away um, for capital gains as well. That was all taken away. Um, mm -hmm. So all these advantages that were there have now actually been taken away and it's getting worse and worse. And I have a sneaking suspicion at some point in time, they'll take away mortgage interest deduction for personal people away completely. Yeah, Something is if you're a buy-to-let owner, you can no longer reduce your tax bill by deducting any of the mortgage expenses from rental income. Under the old system, the higher rate payers were able to receive the 40% tax credit on their mortgage payments. However, uh, now everyone is able to claim that flat 20% tax rate, which could impact you in two ways. You pay more tax or it pushes you into a higher tax bracket. That's where you have to get your pension out and start contributing to your pension and work out how much you need to put into your pension to bring your tax liability from higher rate back down to a lower rate band. But you're also yeah. getting the you're getting the saving on the higher rate tax, but you're also getting the tax credit back on your pension when you put money in as well. But then that's a balancing act. Having a really good accountant that lets that work out for you. Uh, how do I know that? Because I had to work it out myself. <laughs> no easy getting a good good accountant. Uh, very, very few accountants, specialist accountants actually concentrate on buy to let and, and property tax. Um, but we, I have got one I'm speaking to at the end of this month um, who will actually talks about um, all that and talks about capital gains. And and, and I met down in London at one of the, the property investment show. So it, uh, so watch this space. We'll talk about that more um, towards the end of the month or probably next month. Um, capital gains tax in April 2020. Uh, capital gains is also charged at a different rate. It's how you have to pay if you make a profit or you sell the asset. Such as a second home or shares of um, um, or shares or a piece of um, artwork, the tax isn't based on, uh, the tax isn't based on the price you sell the asset for, but the profit made on it. Uh, until 2020, landlords who sold property could declare capital gains tax they owned, and and and, and their next uh, tax return giving them potentially a much longer time to pay. Now, capital gains tax must be declared and paid within 30 days of the sale of the property. Now. Recently, just before it was 60 days because of the pandemic and all the rest of it, and the hassle, the hassle of trying to get the tax returned in. But I think it's returned back to the 30 days because I was nailed with it. I got a fine because I was one day late of 100 quid. One day late? I just, one day. Uh, one day, 100 quid fine. I just suck it up and pay it. Yeah. Um, it's your own fault. You had 30 days to sort it out. Um, so it makes it a wee bit more difficult. But then you've got the cash anyway. So why should you not be paying it straight away? That's how the tax man looks at it. There are still some expenses that are tax deductible, um, and, and you can go to the government's website in order to find that out. Government's got, I'll be honest, the government's got a, some sort of uh, 
uh, workshops that you can go through for property owners. But I, I'm, I'm, I, I was on it, and I doubted some of the things that were saying on it. Um, because the the what the the reason for that is because they were completely applicable to somebody owned the property in their own name, but they yeah. were not applicable to somebody owned the property in their company. Because they went they went on about the fact that you can only get twenty percent tax credit against your mortgage interest. That was it. Not about the limited company and yeah. the fact that you can offset it completely. So you know what they're doing here? They're not telling you the good thing. They're actually just telling you the thing that you should be doing in order to get them more tax and increase more revenue for them. Um, yeah. So people with limited companies might actually think it's like, wait a minute, I can only deduct twenty percent. Um, for an actual fact, uh, you can you, you you deduct the full amount against. You could offset it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, until twenty twenty, as I said, it's about the fact that you've you've only been given thirty days to declare your capital gains return, which is pretty encumbering for somebody that's just got one or two properties. Because then you've got to get the hassle of having to put it in. You've got to put it in a line. You can get an accountant to do it for you, but to be honest. Again, I came back to saying it's like they've not even still got it worked out yet. It's it's no easy because they're not doing it all the time. Accountants, most accountants are just like GPs. They can advise you on all the different ailments, but they need to send you a specialist to get something done. And this is generally what happens with buy to let property uh, um, taxation. Um, you need to go to a specialist, a person that actually solely concentrates on property tax. Um, and as I said, I've managed to find somebody like that when I was doing the property investor show. So I will tell people about that. Um, later on, end of the month or the next month. Yeah. The key buy-to-let tips before getting started. Here's a good one for you. Before making the first property investment, uh, these are the things to check off. Pay off any personal debts. It's wise to use your cash reserves to pay off any costly personal debts to now first, or the amount you're paying on in interest will reduce the value of your investment returns. Being in debt can also impact your credit score, for example, credit cards, if you've yeah. got a, a high interest loan with someone, you should maybe be, I, I mean, the reality is, if you're trying to make 10% return on your investments and buy to let, right, but your credit card's at 18%, should you not just be paying your money off your 18% yeah. credit card first? That, that to me, is everything. Because you've got an 8% differential between what you're trying to achieve and buy to let and then what you're actually going to be getting on your credit card if you're saving. But people actually don't think it like that. They think that's actually it's money I've spent and I'm no saving anything. But you've got to think you're saving 18%. So you, if you're paying off your credit card, you're making a return of 18% on that money you're paying off. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Opportunity cost. Yeah. Opportunity loss. We did a show on this. <laughs> if, you've no, if you've no watched Opportunity Cost, Opportunity Loss, check out the YouTube channel, the playlist that we've got of the wealth creation show, you'll find a show on opportunity cost and opportunity loss. I think that's the one where I was buying my Lamborghini Huracan, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> That'll be an interesting one for you. Um, anyway, I'll no, I'll no, I'll no give the game away. Watch it. Listen to the podcast. It's on there as well. It's on our podcast channel as well. Yeah. We'll have uh, Anchor. Uh, on Anchor podcast, we'll have the wealth creation show on there as well if you want to listen into that. Uh, it could lead you to a higher mortgage interest rate on your mortgage application if it's rejected, if you've got a bad credit score. Avoid high interest rates. The cheapest mortgage rate uh, interest rates on the market are, are reserved for those at at least a 40% deposit. Your experience counts too. Beginner property investors and those who have yet to buy their own home will be subject to higher rates. That's definite. I could guarantee you that, especially right now. They want seasoned investors and people with track record at this point in time. To get the best deal, seek first-time buyer, buy-to-let mortgage advice from a mortgage advice 
specialist. Yeah. Calculate your margins. You might be earning a great rental income, but if your buy-to-let costs too much to uh, too high, your profit margin will shrink. It will also give you no margin of error if anything goes wrong. Interest rates go up. You're screwed. Yeah. And that's what we're finding out with some people. It's like when the tide goes out, we're going to find out who's swimming naked. Warren Buffett talks about that all the time. It's like, how close are you to the border? How close are you to the wire, the marginal rate? In other words, the break-even point in your scenario. Uh, break-even point for me is 15%, by the way. Um, and then I need to start worrying. But I kind of think if we get to 15% mortgage rates, everybody's coming with me. Make yeah. sure you're running faster, by the way. You know that. If, if, if a bear's chasing you, right, make sure you're just running faster than the person last. That's yeah. all. Because the bear's going to get them first. That's the key to everything when you invest. Make sure if anything's going to happen. Because the government at some point will step in. We have, an, we have a culture as well, actually. I was talking about this recently to someone. We've got a culture. We've been bailed out for the pandemic. We've been bailed out for utility costs. So guess what's going to happen when we get to mortgage problems? We're going to get a bailout. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely think that's what's going to happen. Mark, watch this space. Um, it's Because we've now got inherent bailouts in our mind where it's our culture. Uh, calculate your margins. Make sure you've got your letting fees in there. Make sure you've got repair bills, your mortgage interest payments, your insurance, your unexpected costs, your service charge, your ground rent, or property factor fees are in there as well. You kind of get away from some of these things. They're fixed costs, yeah. whether you like it or not, especially your mortgage interest. I always calculate my gross margin, which is after my interest is paid, because that's the only thing that's important to me. The bank's not going to say, oh, I can give you a holiday. Don't pay your mortgage this month. It's okay. They're going to go, no, pay your money. That's that's what they're going to say. Everything else is everything else is more or less variable. You know, things like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, things like, uh, I always say, use a managing agent, right? But bear in mind, you can go back to doing it yourself if you really need yeah, to. need to, yeah. If, if a push comes to shove and all these other costs get squeezed, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and we could even teach you to do that as well. Uh, alternatives. Finally, we're just about to wrap up, actually. Let's talk about the alternatives to buy to yeah, let. Yeah. You know, do you want to cover that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes buy to let could sound a bit much hassle and it is quite a lot for people to take on. Uh, and if you don't have the money for the maybe the hefty deposits or the upfront costs, there are alternative ways to invest in, in the yeah. property market. Um, property funds is one. Uh, now, property funds, we've spoke about this uh, previously, Jim, and property funds rely on expert fund managers uh, to buy properties and then they pass on the income and the capital growth to the investors who put their money into the fund. Um, so does that, I mean, these are quite common. Um, maybe people aren't aware of them and think, oh, I can't go into buy to let investment, I don't have the money. But for a smaller amount, you could add to a property fund and still reap rewards from that. Um, while most property funds sometimes do invest in commercial properties and things, uh, such as like retail parks and offices and things there are some that are focused on the residential sector um so make whichever, sure, yeah. sure it's authorized and it's regulated by the yes. financial conduct yeah. authority which is a yeah. uk financial regulator um, yeah, most of the types of property funds here richard are well they call them closed dead funds uh listed on the stock market real investment real, real estate investment trusts that's mm -hmm. rich um you buy and sell these like any other share uh, and it's like a share in Tesco's or Rolls-Royce. Um, that's closed-end funds. Um, other property funds are open-ended. They are used, uh, they are 
their issue uh, new units when most people want to invest. In other words, to grow that fund. Yeah. Um, price of these funds will move up and down depending on the popularity of the fund, uh, underlying value of the property that's invested in that fund. Um, what are the benefits of investing in a property fund? Why would you want to? I mean, well, it's easier to buy and sell uh, than it is uh, than it is to market and sell yeah, a yeah. buy to let when you're when you need some extra cash. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's an easier way to buy and sell. Um, there's more diversity, so your money is typically invested in more diverse uh, set of property types in different areas and things as yeah, well than yeah. you would if you were probably doing your own portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, and you could easily check on the performance of a fund. Um, yeah. And, and obviously there's usually like fact sheets and things available that, uh, that from the fund's own website where you could go on and check or if you've, you've got um, a, a fund there from services like um, from a service manager and things. You'd be able For to me personally, I've got a funny feeling it's uh make sure you check the performance of the fund make sure you also check the fund manager make sure you also uh, uh, check the fact the, the websites the facts and the figures and all the rest of it that's the most important thing buy to let versus property funds what is the fundamental difference here if you've decided that property investing is for you the next thing is to decide which type of investment suits you and we'll make the best time to consider the pros and cons you could do direct property investment as we've told yeah, can be very war rewarding, both financially in terms of providing a satisfactory, satisfactory hobby. I always say to people, treat it like a hobby and it will give you a hobby income. But yeah. I took it from a hobby to a totally different thing. Uh, maybe the downside is time-consuming. You may be may not able to get your money back as quickly as possible. Property funds, on the other hand, worthwhile addition um, to a, a balanced portfolio of investments, less time-consuming than buy-to-let. We'd obviously looked at property funds. To be honest, there's too much regulation for that for me. Um, and, and I don't need to bring other people in. <laughs> um, yeah. But we'll, we'll teach people how to do it and we'll manage their properties for them. Um, and we'll do that and make sure it's hands-off so you can just get on with your day-to-day -day life and make money. Um, you need to understand the underlying, the underlying holdings of the fund that you're buying and selling as well, as well as how it fits into the property investment strategy. Um, and, uh, and also consider the fees too. Uh, that's a big, big thing in property investment funds. There's a lot of hidden fees in some of these ones. Um, yeah. I, and I dare I say it, you know, I don't know if in years to come if this name will still be known, Grant Cardone. Um, a lot of people are still, you know, there's still big um, uh, investment people actually saying, is this just all smoke and mirrors? <laughs> is, is this, guy, this guy's charging an absolute fortune, the entry fees, the exit fees, the sale fees, the, ch the, the management fees. It's like he's getting an overrider everywhere. He's maybe making billions, but is he making billions off of your money? Um, yeah. and, and are you actually getting a real return? Uh, and it's, you know, I've yet to find anybody that's actually invested. He keeps bringing on his own people, saying his own people at work when we've invested, but then, you know, you've got to then scratch your head and think there's no vested interest to saying it's good. So just to finish off here for me, why is why is diversification important? Well, if you're investing properly, ensure that you do as a part of a portfolio of different types of long-term investment. Uh, it's, it better protects you if the market enters a rocky patch or prices slump. Uh, diversification is also important because property funds can uh, suspend trading and freeze their assets, meaning investors will not be able to withdraw their money. This occurs when a surge of investors try to sell at the same time with their holdings and the funds able to sell the property. This is like a run on the banks. Um, so hold the funds. Uh, if, you, if, if you want, you can hold funds and ISAs and pensions and stuff like that as well. Uh, yeah. Final words on this, Richard, just before we finish. Yeah, I think obviously the question is, is buy to let really worth it anymore? For me, the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. But you need to have the right people dealing with things. And whether you're worried about interest rates or 
whether it's uh, legislation, do you know what I mean? There is the right way to do things and the correct way to yeah. do things in order for it to be successful. My final word, I've seen this come and go before. I've been here for 30 years. Recessions, governments, legislation, it's all the same. I think vital it's here to stay. Okay, yeah. that's us, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye for right, now. Jim, thanks.